Hey kids, welcome back to On Stage, Off Stage. I'm your host, George Sapio, and this is episode 112, December 2018. Our guest this month is Jamie McPherson. Jamie is an expert in that most exciting of all theatrical aspects, fight choreography. In her article on HowlRound.com called, When Young People Fight, Stage Combat in Theater for Young America, Jamie writes about how she teaches the art to young persons. She goes on to the problems and issues surrounding introducing young persons to physical maneuvers that illustrate dangerous actions while maintaining a level of complete safety in her classes. Since on stage, off stage usually starts with the most obvious of introductory questions. Of course, we went with. So what attracted you to stage combat in the first place? I mean, what was your basis in theater to begin with? Uh, to begin with, I was most interested in acting and directing, primarily. Um, I was really interested in how stories were made. I was really lucky to uh, grow up in a theater and so able to see uh, actors putting on the show before it was presented to the public, and that was really cool to me. Um, and I also have a, a background in movement, and so... Um, I was really interested in physical storytelling in general. But the other half of it was really just what everyone loves. A fight is thrilling. A fight is exciting. And you feel very powerful doing it. Um, so the first couple of times that I got to be part of that as an actor, that I got to choreograph a bit of violence or um, I got to be in a fight on stage, uh, it tapped into that exciting, thrilling feeling that we get. And I really loved that. What was your first stage conflict? It was a summer camp production when I was in junior high, uh, and we were doing uh, the Trojan War in 10 minutes of a whole dance battle scene um, that was going to be sort of the precursor to going into the Odyssey. Wait a minute, the entire Trojan War in 10 minutes? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so, right. you know, okay. yeah. it's the kind of thing where you come on stage and you battle someone and you die and you get dragged off stage and you turn around, come through a different wing and die again. Um, and I think in that I died five times, which is not bad for 10 minutes. Nice. Uh, I won a couple of battles and it was just fun of like, go again, go again, go again, find a new partner, do your moments, die, turn around, come back, recenter yourself. It was really thrilling and exciting and it's a great way to get to live that history that gets told, I think, all the time in junior high and high school. And you kind of go, yeah, OK, I get it. Um, but to live it and to be in it for a minute was really fun. OK, so what's your what's your background for handling? Because um, you teach this. So what's your background for, let's say, athletics? I mean, what else do you do? Uh, I'm assuming you're in probably in great shape for this sort of thing, because <laughs> stage combat is... I mean, I've directed and I've been in stage combat, um, and I know it's not an easy thing to manage. It's much more difficult than people think. Sure, yeah. You know, it it is a constant state of training and staying active and wide on your feet. I came at it primarily from a dance background. Um, I, I loved dance as a child, and I was an Irish dancer, so, you know really working light footwork and uh, a lot of quad work, which was really great when you get into um, fighting with swords and you've got to be in the squat all the mm, time. Yep. Um, yeah, so building up those thigh muscles. Um, and then I played soccer a lot as a kid. Just growing up, I was really active. 
Um, the other piece of it is for me, um, I do circus training, um, both hand balancing and partner work, which I think is really important and aerial work. Um, and all of that just really informs, um, muscle awareness, body awareness of where you're at and how to be in control of your body. Uh, and then the more I got into stage combat, the more uh, I was as a kid, I hated running. Um, and I really have had to change my mind about that. And so starting a running practice just to have a baseline level of fitness to just be able to stay on stage and do what your body needs it to do. Yeah. Well, as with anything that is athletic and requires complete concentration and precision, uh, I, I would yeah, I guess that there's a ton of uh, rehearsal and training that has to go into this because this is not something where you can back up and redo your line. This is something where you can actually hurt somebody. Yeah, yeah, and there's a level of that you always have to be aware of. Um, one thing we talk a lot about, and I tell the kids frequently, is um, that being perfect and striving for perfection is death. You need to stay aware of your partner. It's not about getting the moves just right. It's about mm -hmm. keeping your partner safe and making sure that you guys are checking in with each other. It's an active thing. Gotcha. Where did you learn stage combat? Um, I learned it first. I think my first formal training of it, uh, I got to study abroad in London. And so at the British Dramatic Academy, they had uh, a terrifying blonde short woman uh, who was the fight director. And she was great inspired great fear and also, you know, the desire to do really well. Um, and then um, continuing, I got my master's at Arizona State University. Um, they have a really strong theater for youth program, which is my principal interest of working with young people. Okay, and this um, is, I'm sorry, this is a master's in what? Theater for youth. Okay. Yeah, um, and so basically it's... Uh, a program that looks at all aspects of doing theater and community-based arts with people from zero to 25 years old. They just, when the brain stops fully building, developing, that's kind of when they decide youth is over. So it's a really wide range. Um, and I got most interested in the aspect of combining that with stage combat. Um, there's a fight director there uh, who teaches, professor at Arizona State University, David Barker, and he became my my mentor through it and um, took me along. And we had a lot of chats about stage combat, both from teaching adults and then also teaching young people. So how long have you been a professional uh, stage combat instructor? Um, about five years. Okay. And you operate mostly out of uh, Chicago? Yeah, now out of Chicago. Um, I recently moved to Chicago. I had been in Arizona before that. Um and kind of operating the, you know, the nature of a teaching artist and as a, a freelancer is you travel everywhere. So I'd also been working, by the time I moved to Chicago, I'd been working in Madison as well as Minneapolis, where I'm originally from. So kind of a large network of places that I'd been operating out of. But now, yeah, I'm based in Chicago. I'm assuming there are certain, you know, because there's organizations for everything around the country. You can you can find a group that caters to just about every interest. So I am assuming that there are some national or international uh, places where people can go to get information about stage combat. Uh, I know locally we had a group here in uh, Ithaca called Ring of Fire. Yeah, um, I think the largest organization 
Uh, and the one that I belong to is the Society for American Fight Directors, okay. um, SAFD. Um, and they operate on a national level, but also have ties with their British counterpart. Um, and their idea is sort of um, making sure that there's a baseline uh, across the board way that we're operating and ensuring safety and teaching things in the most up-to-date ways um, and offering support and training to teachers. Because once you get at that level, you still need to continue your training as well. Um, so in Chicago, there is a chapter of it uh, called MACE, and they do Winter Wonderland every year, um, to put in a plug for that, that I will be tending. That is a workshop, um, four-day workshop in uh, Rosemont um, that's just, you know, hotel of a lot of people walking around with uh, a lot of stage combat people walking around. Um, it's a fun, crazy time. Are they walking around with weapons? No, we don't walk around with weapons. causes a lot of fear with people if we do. Um, <laughs> you probably get some more members. Yeah, yeah, maybe. Um, we're also pretty near an airport at that place, so we try try not uh, to yeah. instill fear or alarm. Um, also, you know, in talking about it, we try to say things like theatrical death props as opposed to where do you keep all the weapons? Um, just to, again, not instill panic or fear. Theatrical death props? There are other names for it, too. But I, I think like that. I that one's my favorite. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I can't wait to use that one. Okay, so if we're talking about theatrical death props, and I'm probably going to use mm-hmm. these a couple of hundred times during this uh, <laughs> interview. What kind of theatrical death props do you train people with? Um, I tend to stick primarily with either unarmed, um, some sword, and more often, uh, more regularly now, knife. People are interested in using knives in fights, um, that I'm finding. So those three are the principal ones that I've been working with uh, lately. What are some uh, some of the more exotic ones? Um. I love using uh, unusual found objects as weapons, as I think it is in some ways more realistic and it's more fun. Um, We did a Titus Andronicus at Arizona State University and involved using a couple of meat hooks as weapons. Um, Yeah. yeah. Uh, Or Romeo and Juliet uh, that I did at the Lawrence Arts Center uh, with the summer youth program. And just in walking around their props room, I found a giant whisk. We're talking like a two-foot-long whisk. A, and I'm like, okay. Like like the kind you find in a kitchen whisk? Mm-hmm. Yes. Oh, yeah, exactly. Okay. Uh, and, it, you know, with Romeo and Juliet, uh, it, it begins with a street brawl. And so, really, it's everyone from every corner running out to a fight. And I'm like, absolutely. Someone mm. is going to just see this on the table next to them and grab it and run out there. Well, I suppose you could batter someone with it. Yes, the actor working with it had a lot of fun figuring out how to use it that way. <laughs> I'll bet. Okay, um, I've directed a couple of uh, Shakespeare's, and one of the ones I directed was Macbeth, and I, I chose that for two reasons. One, it's the shortest, or mostly <laughs> the shortest. Uh, and second of all, it's got copious tons of, of blood and gore and all that sort of fun stuff that you see on stage. Especially at the end, where you know Macduff goes after Macbeth, and they yell at each other, and there's whacking and this thing and the other thing. So yeah, it's a super satisfying play in that. Isn't regard. it? Yeah. Oh, it's it's just wonderful. Um, but 
I, I was smart enough at the time to realize that I'm not going to have my actors go out there in front of an audience with weapons just, you know, beating each other and trying to shout lines. So we brought in a, a combat director. Now, if I, if I brought in you, okay, what's your procedure? How do you maintain safety and how do you train my actors, some of whom who've never picked up anything sharper than a can opener <laughs> all right, That's good. to make this happen? Sure, yeah. Um, I think a couple of things I would start out with. Um, I, in an ideal world, most of us have not picked up anything sharper than a can opener, um, and that's totally okay. And so just getting a feel for where everyone's at. Um, a lot of the work that I also do is with um, intimacy design as well, and there's a carryover there of making sure that the partners working together uh, are connected and are aware of each other's, not just bodies, but also how... Um, that other aspect of them, of what is okay to touch, how comfortable they are with people in their space, because those are real things that people are dealing with in today's society. Um, I mean, actually, I think we've been dealing with it forever, but thankfully now there's a movement to really try to bring awareness to people advocating for themselves. Um, and so bringing that into the room right away, I think, is so important. Um, you know, if you're lucky enough to have a company of people who are so familiar with each other and you can start from that level, great. But often that's not the case. You know, you have a lot of actors that are traveling around a lot. And so each show is really starting at ground zero. Um, so that level of connection is important and can't be assumed. Right. Even if you, um, you know, the level of uh, commitment that comes from um or the level of contact that comes from just trying to memorize Shakespeare together, you still have this level of um, needing to connect with each other. Sorry, yeah. I'm a little rambly there. Um, I think starting from a place where I always start with my actors um, doing something that Chelsea Pace taught me. Um, and Chelsea Pace is someone who uh, is a professor who really specializes in uh, designing intimacy for a film and stage. And she has a process where actors first explore their own bodies, just rubbing their hands over all of their body and feeling what it feels to be touched. And then from there, taking their partner's hands. So to use your example, Macbeth and Macduff might do this, um, where Macbeth would take, the actor playing Macbeth would take Macduff's hands and say, okay, you can touch me here and you can... Um, you know, go around, the arms are okay, uh, I get really nervous around my neck, or what have you. Um, and I encourage them to talk through it as they do it, rather than having it being a silent exercise, because again, it just creates familiarity, comfortability, and allows an environment where people can talk about what they need. Because um, too often you come into the room and you say, okay, is everyone, everyone cool with fighting? Everyone got what they need? And we've been trained um, to say, yeah, I'm good with whatever, hit me with it. You know, we all want to be the easy actor to work with. Um, and that's kind of what we've been taught is the expectation. And so getting them to just engage with each other and say, you know, yes, I am willing to throw down for this fight, but um, I've got weak ankles. Uh, my knees are hyperextending, so just be aware of that. Um, and then it gives permission to the actors once they know that too. The flip side is... If they say, you can touch my stomach, or you can touch my face, you can touch 
um, pretty high up my thigh. Then the other actor knows that, and there's um, that's available to them. They can then engage with them in the fight. They can have contact and feel okay with it, feel comfortable, um, and feel like they aren't hurting the person. They don't have to do any sort of taking care of them because they've already been taken care of. Um, so you spend a lot of time acclimating the actors to their own bodies and to each other's bodies. Yeah, yeah, that has to be the first step for me. Um, and then once that's established, uh, you know, in a process like this, you and I probably would have had a discussion about what you see as the director, what's your vision. Um, and sometimes directors have a lot of ideas and they like, can see the moment very clearly and sometimes they don't. And either way, it's okay. Uh, working on a production of Titus Andronicus, the director said, I don't, you know, whatever you want to do with the moment's cool, but I think there's a moment where we leave all the swords at the door. So we're not going to use anything that looks like a real weapon. Um, their hands are okay, or secret weapons like knives are fine, but we can't walk around with swords anymore because uh, it's supposed to be after a war. It's supposed to be peacetime. That went mm -hmm. great. Um, and then I want to go to the actors because I feel I like collaborating with the actors. I think that they come in with a lot of ideas, um, and it is better to use their ideas because it's what their body naturally w wants them to do. It's instinctive to them. It's comfortable to them. And sometimes you get lovely surprises, having an actor be like, well, uh, I can do a backflip. Is that something you want here? And going, absolutely. Yes, oh, please. yes, please do. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we had a, a great guy for a show I was working on who just kept sort of revealing these surprises. I can do a backflip. Um, I'm pretty comfortable running up walls and flipping over. That it was just like, yes, please, please, more. And like, he was a young actor, so none of that was on his skill sheet, and I'm not even given that usually, so it's whatever the actors want to tell me. Can you give um, me his contact info? <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> he's, yeah. Uh, and so, you know, letting them go, okay, so you're in this fight, and um, this guy has killed your wife and all of your children, and he's called you a coward. Uh, and you've got to come back and reckon with him. What are you going to do? What do you want to do to him first? He's right there in front of you. What about him? Just where do you want to go? People mm -hmm. say, oh, I want to, you know, wipe his sneering face off of him. Like, great, let's go for the head. Or uh, he's a much taller guy than me. I want to take him down from the trunk. Great. Um, going from those places first. Mm -hmm. My job is to keep an eye on the arc of the fight and know where we have to end up. But that moment to moment, I find that the actors have so many ideas um, and it's better to go with that. And also because when it comes time for the show, you want that to be natural in their bodies. Mm -hmm. You don't want them to have to think about it at all. Okay, so once you find out the purpose of what the director wants and how the actors feel they want to prevail over their opponents, uh, What's your next step? Is it actually blocking the fight, creating the choreography? Yeah, yeah. I tend to lay down a skeleton of the fight where, okay, this move to this move to this move. And we don't necessarily worry about those transitions just yet. Um, but just knowing A to B to C, not unlike a director saying, okay, enter stage left, exit stage right, um, and letting them sort of get that 
in their bodies first. I also tend to say, let's put away the acting. You're amazing actors. It will come in time. Let's just do these moves very clinically um, and get that into our bodies. And then I move up to uh, a flow speed, something um, I like to use the phrase jello speed, where you're moving through something as opposed to just going slow motion because then there's still energy involved. There's still force and effort. Mm -hmm. Uh, but you have to get the fight moves down on that slow and flowing of a basis and connect with breath. Um, with older actors, especially more experienced actors, I'll say a lot of map out your breath with this. Are you inhaling? Are you exhaling here? Uh, because often that will start to naturally tap into their, um, their acting abilities as well. We're storytelling now with just our breath, not even words, not full acting. Um, and then from there, allowing them to determine the speed of the fight and to set it up that way. Um, cause then by then it has to be on them. They have to feel like they're in control of this fight. Uh, cause you know, by the opening, by the curtain going up, uh, we've got everyone steps away and it's just them on stage and they have to feel powerful and capable enough to do that. Right. Yeah. Throughout a course of, from there, uh, throughout the course of the show, obviously there's fight call and coming in to tune up, um, moments and find specificity, mapping out things like the pain level or mapping out, um, where you are within the story because the, the acting can't stop. The storytelling can't stop. We have to still have that level of it, but those get layered on top. Um, and then letting the actors really take charge of what they're doing. Yeah. It's a tricky business. I, I, yeah. I'm aware of this. And every night I saw my actors on stage, what started out in rehearsal as director bloodlust, um, because I wanted to see Errol, you know, Errol Flynn on speed, <laughs> sure. um, you know, with, uh, turned into, okay. Um, let's be safe out there. Try not to hit anybody in the audience. Um, try not to hurt each other. And I'm doing this all silently. Yeah. Uh, you know, and my stage manager is looking at me going, this is your problem. <laughs> Um, you asked for this and I thought, yeah, I did clearly did not know what I was asking for. Uh, but I was very lucky because the two actors that I had were both highly intelligent, highly experienced. That's uh, the dream. Yeah. And consummate professionals. And I was extremely lucky not to have a pair of idiots out there going, I got a side. Whoa. You know, um, <laughs> And I, I realize not, you know, that doesn't happen every single time. And that makes your job that much more critical um, because if something goes wrong, everybody starts looking at each other. Um, but we've been talking about adults so far. And I know you do a ton of work with younger persons, um, kids, young adults, and that sort of thing. And yeah. you know, adults walk into a rehearsal room and it's a given that they have some clue what it is that they're doing in life and that the risks that they're taking are completely up to them. But we cannot do that with an 11 year old. So, right. you know, it, how it's what's your process for working with, you know, kids that young and. You know, this, this is going to lead to my next question, which I'm, I'm going to dump on you at the same time. Okay. I mean, you know, I bring my 11-year-old, you know, I, whatever, little rainbow into class. <laughs> and um, 
all of a sudden, you know, I realize that my little rainbow is going to be taught how to hit somebody. Now I've got to start dealing with, do I want my child in this situation? Um, yeah. 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 And this is this is what I saw on your on your HowlRound article, which is the reason I got in touch with you in the first place. And I found your answers to be extremely interesting. So oh, can, can we run through this? Because I'm sure there's going to be a lot of parents out there going, yeah, I want to hear this. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and that second question. Yeah, it's definitely a load question comes with a lot of, a lot of baggage attached to it, a lot to think about. Um, but I'll start back with what you asked originally of they're coming in and they're not the professionally trained actor. Um, so yes, that means that they don't come in with their own warm up process. They don't come in with a desire to do the work in a specific way and connect with the other actors and to create a performance that is sustainable, um, and going to be consistent throughout. Um, and they don't come in with these like secret skills probably because they haven't had the training to, they haven't had years to perfect, uh, all of the skills and their bags of tricks that actors get to come with. On the flip side, I'll offer you, they come in with, um, a lot more malleable of bodies. They're naturally more flexible, more agile and, um, they heal you know, they, a lot faster. They than heal a lot faster. They bounce. <laughs> They yeah. bounce. Mm -hmm. um, and that is pretty interesting to me and a lot of fun. Um, and, uh, you know, this comes with you sort of have to, as the adult in charge, you have to watch this. But they also come in with a level of trust and a level of um, resiliency that comes with the fact that they, you know, they haven't been, I should say, in an ideal world where children are cared for and loved and provided for, they haven't been exposed to things that make them think, um, I am mortal. I could die. Uh, I have all these scars and things that I have to hold on to. Um, that resiliency also comes with a level of willingness to risk and to try. Um, you know, I remember as a young person, uh, doing, aerialist work to sort of segue for a second into something else. I truly believed if I do exactly what my teacher tells me, I am capable. I am strong. I will not get hurt. I can be, you know, 15, 20 feet in the air. Uh, cause these adults are telling me it's fine and I can do it. And that level of belief in oneself is amazing to get to tap into as a fight director, as a teacher, you know, the other side of it is then you have to uh, taper it. You have to make sure that they are staying in control, that they are aware that their bodies have limitations and furthermore expand their awareness to other people's bodies, which is a whole skill set with young people. Um, you know, we're working so much on just understanding these changing bodies that we have. And now you tell me I got to think about this other person. Mind blowing. Um, you know, it, it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun to get to work with people on that level of willingness. It's exciting to me. It's invigorating. Uh, and then the other half of it that you talked about, yeah. the level of um, violence and realness in it. Because um, when I teach, I get two levels of pushback. Uh, one often from either the fight community itself or from... Uh, theater directors of, uh, this is dangerous. We don't, you know, we might not have the insurance to cover young people with swords running around a building. 
it's fair. Uh, how yeah, do we? It's, it's start... not your typical insurance claim, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah, and you know, theaters generally have sort of a catch-all, but I can understand the concern there. Um, but then there is this sort of mental other piece of it that comes in, uh, that comes with parents seeing their kids, comes with other adults seeing kids do violence. Um, when I go into schools, having the school have to deal with, okay, now all of the children uh, are going to be hitting each other and smacking each other, and that is what I actively try to avoid every day as an educator, as a school administrator. That's so what a are tough you job. Yeah, um, and especially in today's day and age oh where— gosh, yeah. I mean, and, you know, I, I find the only way to deal with it is to talk to kids about it. Um, I don't do a lot of gun work, um, partly because I don't enjoy having that be brought into schools. I don't enjoy the level of um, realness for me. And I think it's important to know that in yourself as an actor, as an artist, to right. say, where are my personal limits? Because if I'm uncomfortable, I can't teach, I can't work with other people. Uh, that's where I stop. Um, and having those conversations with kids of saying, this is real stuff. And we get the fun part of it. Um, we get the fun, we get the excitement. We also have to hold this other half of it, of if we're doing serious fighting, not slapstick, not comedy, uh, there are implications of this, there are consequences, um, and they sometimes can tap into our real psyche, and sometimes it's uh, needing to take care of an audience. Um, so yeah, I want to piece through that a little bit more. I think on the one hand, um, for me, when I'm working with uh, when I'm working with young actors, I tend to, especially in the ages of uh, eight to twelve year olds, um, and I don't like to put hard hard limits on these things because sometimes you have a really perceptive ten year old, sometimes you have a really immature eleven or twelve year old. Um, but keeping it in the comedy land um, because also that's what they enjoy. You know, for them, a lot of their violence is coming from uh, cartoons, coming from slapstick, maybe coming from action movies. Um, but that's what they're seeing and that's what they want to replicate usually. Um, and they'll tell me that. They'll say, I want this to be funny. Uh, this, is too, this is too real. I want it to be funny. Right. Uh, and it's usually not until 12, 13-year-olds uh, moving into an interest in things that are darker that we get into more serious work or, you know, high schools looking to do real shows. And I think it's important to me in these shows that get done in all high schools, West Side Story, Romeo and Juliet, um, shows like Carousel. Uh, I think that one is getting done less these days, but I there are so. I hate that play. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> There's a lot of looking at that. I guess Oklahoma is that in that kind of category too. If it gets done, but you're also like, but but why? Um, why are we still doing that? Yes. Stop, yes. please. Yeah, um, but there's real stuff that happens in there. Real violence, especially for yeah. the young women, that you need to have a level of awareness of because you know you have these young actors in your hands and they're trusting you, um, and so teaching them. I think you have to be okay with going to that very real level of what is happening here and being okay to talk about that. And if you're not okay talking about that, then it needs to stay in the comedy world. Uh, you're doing yourself, you're doing them a disservice. Um, 
And I think it's just to also talk about that other piece of it for a second with the parents. Um, that's very real uh, and it should not be dismissed and it shouldn't be uh, put under an umbrella of helicopter parents or. Oh, of course uh, not. No. Yeah. Exactly. Wanting to shelter your parent or wanting to shelter your child. Because I think on a certain level, of course, of course, we don't want our kids to come into uh, come to terms, come to face uh, real violence in that level. Uh, we don't want any harm to come to them. Um, and we're uncomfortable with the idea of doing so. As I talked about in the article, uh, I love the Hunger Games movies. But that first mm. movie, the shot of just this bloodbath at the cornucopia yeah. and seeing all these kids lying there was uh, I had to shut off the movie for a second. I was like, I got to step away. This is too, it's too real. It's too hard. I, I was appalled by the entire concept of, of not only the movies, but the books in the first place, because we have enough violence going on and to, yeah. to promote and to glamorize young people fighting to the death. Uh, it's, I'm sorry, that just offends me. <laughs> That's fair. That's very real. I think the, the piece of that that we then have to deal with and, you know, reconcile with is that violence is already happening and we can't necessarily shelter kids from it. It doesn't mean they need to be exposed to it, but mm. things like the Hunger Games allow them a way to talk about it, um, both for kids that maybe, you know, luckily live in communities, live in families that are loving, are caring, um, uh, I, I shouldn't say it that way. I, I truly believe that most people, regardless of their situation, love their children. That's I a place agree. that I operate from. I agree uh, with you, yes. But you have kids that show up with a certain level of privilege, of happiness, of stability, of the idea that all adults in the world are there to take care of them. You know, that was a place that I came from in a lot of ways. Um, I was really lucky. Uh, and that's not the case with every child. And they are taught and they sort of learn how to pretend that they're normal, that it doesn't affect them, that it gets hidden away because the moment they talk about violence, uh, they realize that it makes adults around them uncomfortable. It makes yeah. the other kids confused and suddenly they're put um, in the spotlight and everyone wants to ask them questions and uh, take care of them, I say in quotes, because, you know, their friends, other 10 year olds don't know how to take care of other people with their trauma. You know, um, yeah, yeah. And so ten-year-olds, yeah, I mean, that's okay. On. Yeah, their 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 bodies aren't formed yet. Their minds are a long way from being formed. Yeah. I know a lot of adults in that same situation. Yeah, yeah, you know, and yeah, seriously. Um, so, and it's it's hard stuff to grapple with. I get it. Yeah. So when these kids come out of your training sessions and your classes, what is it that you hope they walk out of there with? Uh, a couple of things. I try to boil it down to three or four things. Um, that if it's not safe, we don't do it. There are a million ways. One of the classes that I teach uh, is just slaps. There are like 50,000 ways to do a slap on stage. Uh, and it's all based on, or in front of the camera, and it's all based on what you need in the moment. You know, uh, are you are you very close to your audience? Are you far away? Where are you positioned in stage? Are you a superhero that has, uh, you know, giant, the gauntlet of the Infinity War, with the Avengers, you know, something big like that you don't want to really be slapping someone with. Um, and so all of these ways are okay. There is no one technique to do this. It comes down to, is it safe? 
and can you two as the actors pull it off? Um, and then a level of advocacy, the self-advocacy, um, I think is so important. And that is probably the most important part for me that I want to instill in young actors is how to be a good partner um, and how to speak up for yourself in ways that uh, are productive, are, um, are acceptable. Because so much, again, we're told uh, to say yes to things, to be agreeable, to be um, to go with the flow. People who say, oh, I can't do that, get labeled as a bad student, a bad actor, um, difficult, and saying, no, no, no. It's okay for you to say, I'm uncomfortable here, uh, and to be quite clear about it, and then try to find a new solution. Um, and furthermore, as their partner, it's your job to make sure that happens. Yeah. Um, and so instilling that level of communication, instilling an awareness of, and you don't even have to say why you're uncomfortable, but knowing that's okay to say, hey, I don't like this. I don't feel good. We need to stop for a second. That's a um, talent that most people could learn is to basically admit when they're not comfortable. Yeah, totally. Um, and as an adult, you know, in real life, it's something that I struggle with all the oh, time. Yeah, so yeah. wait a minute. Well, as, um, as adults, we have to be able to face every situation coming along, you know, without right? excuses. Without excuses, um, and especially when I work with kids, mm -hmm. uh, I have to be the one in charge. I have to have all the answers. And trying to teach them, no, I'm a human. Um, I have feelings that are, you know, mixed about things. I have questions about stuff. I'm just a human like you. That's scary to them sometimes and also exciting to them. Yeah. Uh, and then the last piece that I to tell all of them is, you know, practice, this will come with practice, uh, never in public. Always be aware of who's around you. I welcome you doing it in the rehearsal room. I welcome you teaching all of your friends. This is not my private knowledge. Now you know it, uh, and you know the stakes involved with it. So please teach the right way. Speak up in a classroom. If your school play has a slap in it, say, I know how to do this safely. Speak up. Um, but, you know, not at the park. Not in the hallways in between school. And I tell them the stories about it. I tell them when I was little and I loved reenacting moments of Buffy and it, it didn't even start with the teachers. My friends saw uh, my friend and I fighting and they started to yell at me saying that I was being a bully. And so then I got upset and I cried cause that's what third graders do. Uh, and the teacher came up to me and asked why I was crying. And I said, well, everyone thinks I'm a bully because I was fighting her. And suddenly I'm in the principal's office trying to explain that none of this was a real fight. Right. You know, that's on a level that they understand. Um, I also share within the stories where I've been on set uh, for a college production or a college um, film, and uh, it's a stab in an alley. And I assumed that, you know, the right people had been notified and the channels of communication had gone through smoothly. Um, and so I'm in a dark alley with a knife, and, you know, thankfully, we live in a world where people walking by were like, that's not right. And they call the cops on us. Um, and having to explain to the cops, I have a knife. You know, that was 10 years ago. I think now we wouldn't even have questions. We would just have I would probably be looking at a police gun, you know. Mm, yeah. yeah. Uh, and so you have to be aware of that. Or uh, I also explain with high schoolers. Another, like, this dates me, but 2006, uh, I am in my high school, and 
we had a scene with a gun. It was like a hostage scene. And one of the other, one of my castmates, um, another high schooler, had kept messing around with the gun. And I got irritated with him, so I put it in my back pocket to be like, you don't get to play with this anymore. You are not treating it with respect. I thought I was totally doing all the right things. But of course, I'm walking around doing everything, and I've forgotten there's a gun in my back pocket. And suddenly, the security guard of the high school comes up to me and says, do you want to talk to me about that? Yeah. What's in your back pocket? <laughs> and I'm lucky. I'm lucky that he approached me and talked to me about it, because I don't think that would happen anymore. I think that I would have been tackled, you mm -hmm. know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. The, the ramifications would have been you know, terror alert. Yeah. Zero to 120 in about a second. And it's unfortunate, but I yeah. think that's the level that a security guard needs to operate today. You know, there's a part of me that wants them to do that, to keep all the kids safe, because yeah. Yeah. I don't know what else I'll do if there is a shooter in a school that I'm at. Um, I've got ideas, yeah. but I don't know. That's a question a lot of people I don't think can can answer with any kind of certitude. I yeah. want to go, go back to, um, I, I, I want to step off of your demonstrating the Buffy fight with another girl uh, okay. in school. And this will be the last thing, and then I'll, I'll let you go get back to your life. Um, but there was something else in the article that I think springboards off of that. It's what you described was two girls, okay? Two young women having a, a physical reenactment altercation, that sort of thing, whatever it comes down to. But there's a part in um, the article that says... Uh, <clears throat> A student brought up the fact that she was uncomfortable watching a scene where a female character is hit by her male scene partner. Right. She said it felt it was illegal for a man to hit a woman. Now, her classmate asked why she didn't have the same reaction when the tables were turned and the female was the aggressor. Is that something you want to talk about? Yeah, definitely. Um, it's a, Yeah, that was a moment that I was like, wow. Uh, and I get it, you know. Um, I, Bodies mean things, you know, our bodies have a carry a lot of meaning and we have a lot of stories. And so, uh, and especially with things like me too and stuff coming up right now, um, there is a realness too. It is funny to see, uh, a woman beat up a man to other women, sometimes to other female people that's satisfying to them. That's, uh, or it's funny or it's whatever. Um, and it's not the same when I, watching a guy beat up a girl mm -hmm. some people it's too close to real life um i think they were sort of tapping into also uh who has power without really having the words for that um it is always i it's generally funny to watch people with less power uh overpower someone who is the the mean person the dictator the um the oppressor right. it's usually satisfying um and I love that stage combat allows us to talk about that because if you asked in a classroom, okay, friends, is it okay to hit anyone? No, it's don't hit people. It's not nice. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so getting to really, really take that to a sort of real level that is distanced that we can say, okay, let's, let's talk about this moment of violence. And we get that those are actors. Everyone is safe. Uh, yeah, I feel really good about watching this guy get beat up after a fight. Um, and that's something I got to look at in myself. You know, I'm speaking as a, as a student maybe. Um, whereas, uh, oh, I really don't want to see him beat her up because 
that's a reality in my life right now, or that's something that uh, is too, as a woman, it's too easy for me to put myself into that person's shoes and experience that and feel that. Um, and I feel that too with, um, when I'm teaching students, there are some classes that I used to always think that I should be the one getting hit by students. Um, because that way there's, we're on that power level again, right? It is funny to watch little kids take down their teacher. Um, and you see that also in like things like home alone, right? Uh, it's very funny. Yep. And it's um, funny because there's a small child doing all of this. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I love getting to ham it up and do over-the-top reactions. Um, but then I got to a school, and I, it's like that weird cliche of going, come on, hit me, really hit me, hit me, anybody, hit me. And the kids were like, I don't want to do that. Yeah. You know, and I think, I will never know, but I think there was uh, the fact that I was female, um, the fact that I was the only white person in the room, that all the students uh, wrote Latinx, uh, had to play into it a little bit. They were more comfortable saying, you come at me, than vice versa. Uh, and I could sit and analyze all the implications of that or just go, okay, that's what this group wants, and be aware of it and have that conversation with them later. Mm -hmm. uh, rather than saying that, okay, for all times going forward, this is what it is. But I love that Stage combat lets us talk about those things uh, and talk about them in a real way as opposed to hypotheticals where we know what the quote-unquote right answer is. There are very few right answers anymore. Yeah, yeah. And being okay with that level of gray area of this is okay here and it's not okay here. And uh, I don't have any words for it, but yeah, I feel really good about this person getting... Uh, being defeated, this person dying, you know, to circle yeah. back to Beth. Oh, sure. Uh, yeah. I, I feel really good about someone who gets too much power too quickly getting, getting finished off by somebody else, you know? We like to see justice delivered. Yes. Yeah. And I think yeah. we like, because like you said, uh, there are very few right answers in the world anymore. Mm. It is satisfying in a play to maybe have an understanding of what the right answer is you know that Macbeth there is sort of a right answer to it we know what justice is we know what justice looks like in this situation well Jamie McPherson uh thank you very very much for being here and talking about such weighty and uh adult subjects especially since we're talking adult subjects with kids it's it's a difficult thing but, um, yeah, good luck with, uh, with your career and good luck with uh, everything you're doing. And I hope these kids get years and years of good lessons from you. Thanks so much. And thanks for having me on. Hey, kids, thanks for listening to On Stage, Off Stage. On Stage, Off Stage is produced monthly, and all of our shows can be found at onstageoffstage.org and also on iTunes. If you enjoy what we do, please recommend us to your friends. Don't forget to like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at OnOffStage. And if you are a theater artist with an upcoming project of interest or work in a part of theater we haven't covered yet or know of someone in the theater world who'd make some great chat, please send us a note at info at OnStageOffStage.org. 
On stage, off stage, believes in and advocates for a world where all people are free to live their lives as they wish, in peace and without fear. We believe in universal respect, diversity, and equality in all areas of life for all people, no matter what their nationality, race, religion, age, sexual status, or gender. On stage, off stage, will never promote or endorse those who seek to diminish others because of who they are. I'm George Sapio. Thank you once again, and happy theatering to all of you. Yeah.